I, uh, I have to thank Dina for bringing all this crowd out here today, family and friends and what have you, and several of them I've met before and a couple of them first time, but thank you for being here. Young guys over here down front, thank you for being here, and all of us old timers, good to see you. Psalm 19 I'm just going to read a couple verses. I'm going to jump into a book of Numbers here in just a few minutes. If you want to look in the Old Testament, we're going to be looking at Numbers chapter 13. But just to kind of introduce things here. The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows His handiwork. Day into day utters speech and night into night reveals darkness. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. God is crying out to the world by His majesty and power and of all His creation and declaring Himself and how great He is. Verse 7, the law of the Lord is perfect. English Standard Version says, reviving the soul. My soul needs reviving. I know it's a new year. I know some of you have already laid out certain things you're going to do differently. I know one of you that has it charted, and you've got a little box. Is that right, Dina, that you go through and mark? Because I know this person. My wife has her list. I have to have a list because she has a list. Some of you have a list. The law of the Lord is perfect. Guys, it's perfect. Revives the soul. And my soul needs reviving. Somebody said a long time ago to me, said, you can get a revival when you'll get a revival. Put the Bible back in your hearts. It's an amazing thing. It will revive you. That's what God's saying. I know some people think it's antiquated and it's just not going to work that way. It does. It makes a difference. There was some... Comparison made some time ago, uh, scientific comparisons here. According to science, the most meaningful life-saving discoveries in the last 100 years. Here are two. The medical procedure that has saved more lives in the last 100 years. Know what it is? Washing your hands. You know, thought of been putting an IV in your arms or, you know... Washing your hands has saved more lives in the last 100 years than any other medical procedure out there. Sometimes we need to think about basics. The medicine that has saved more lives in the last 100 years, some of you probably have it in your purse or your pocket. Aspirin. Huh. Basics. The law of the Lord will revive your soul. Basics. We, we, we overlook the basics way too often. And the strength is found there if we'll get back to it. And that's what we're going to do this morning. We're talking about this year and moving forward. And, that's, and some of you are thinking, I, don't, can't, I can't move that fast anymore. I'm with you. And I don't move as long. I get up in the morning like everybody else. I'm a little slower at moving than I used to be. 
and I don't last as long as I used to be. Okay. But I believe God wants us to be moving forward. He's made us as an incredible machine. And people can tell you things about this machine, like the eyes and how it functions and does things and, and how incredible it is. All this is put together to move us forward, to allow us to see, to move, to lift, to go, to speak. And God is a moving forward God. And that's what we're looking at this morning. Numbers chapter 13. Now, capturing what's going on in history, in Bible history, but history as a whole. As God's called His people together, He started with, who's that? First two people, Adam and Eve. And eventually a crowd of people started growing, descendants and descendants. Start everything all over again, according to Genesis chapter 6, through a guy named Noah. Because the earth was so corrupt, God just wiped it all out and started over with one family and his kids, Noah. And with those eight people that came off of that ark, we're now moving forward. Noah was a moving forward person. And you get down and you're looking at individuals and you get to the book of Numbers. And by this time, God's got a crowd of people. It's his people. Not just the pagans in the world that eventually gotten off track, but his people are there. They have, at this point, as we're looking at the book of Numbers, they have been, in their past, slavery in Egypt. Not 400 years is a long time to be in slavery. Generations, in other words. A lot of those people grew up in slavery. All of them, matter of fact. And so they broke free because God set them free. And now he's got a plan for them. And their plan is to cross over into this other country. And they are, as an army now of God's people, with God doing everything, they're supposed to take over. So they've got to go in and wage war and destroy nations in order to take over those nations. But this is part of God's plan. And so when you start in Numbers chapter 13, this is where we're at as we're seeing what's happening here. Now, verse 1 of chapter 13 says, The Lord spoke to Moses. He doesn't speak to me today except through his word. He doesn't speak to anybody like that. But back then he did. And he spoke to Moses. And he says, I want you, verse 2, to send men out to spy out the land of Canaan. So they're to go check it out. And as you read down through here, they're just go check it out. And see how strong they are, how big they are. If it's worth going in, is it good, is it bad? And of course, God knows what it's like. He's just wanting them to see it. To capture the whole vision. How grand it is and how scary it is, too. Because there are giants and all kinds of people there. God's initiating this spy ring. They're to choose one person from every tribe. That's kind of how it goes sometimes when God's electing it. So you're going to involve every tribe, basically, or every family and every clan in this whole process. God's got it worked out. So each clan chooses one of their best, of course, and they go out and they spy the land out. And they're gone for some period of time, 40 days. And they're checking out what's going on and they're, you know, peeking around the trees or however they do it. And they're looking at the cities and they're, they're blown away by how immense these cities are. But how beautiful the land is. And God said, I'm going to give you a land that's flowing with milk and honey. Now, some of you may not like honey or milk, either one. 
But to me, that'd be like steak and potatoes and fried chicken or whatever. It's, it's what I want to be. Lots of pizza and everything else. It's got what I want. But they also saw these giants there. And they saw the cities that were fortified and thought, how on earth are we ever going to get over those walls into that city? It's impossible. And besides that, you get over the wall and you get on the other side, and it's full of giants. And they're just going to devour you. So the 12 guys are seeing the same thing. And when they do, they have a different result in this whole thing. Now, pause right here. I'm going to talk about this, but I want you to think about something that Paul wrote, the Apostle Paul, in the book of Romans. In chapter 15, don't, if you want to look it up, fine, but write down that and go back and check me out. I, I want you to be sure that I'm telling you the truth, that I'm not leading you off track. But you'll find that Paul writes, those things that happened before time, talking about the Old Testament Paul's referring to, were happened for our learning. Because we're looking at their examples and we're going to learn something from it. That we, through the Scriptures, Paul continues to write, might have comfort and hope. So we look back at the Old Testament, and as we're looking at this, we're going to learn lessons from it. So we do the right things and don't do the dumb things that they did. We just call it like that. So they sent out the spies just like they were supposed to. You can imagine they didn't pick out some wimps to go out there. They picked out tough guys. And they went out there to go do their work, and they came back. Now, when they came back, this is the part that's interesting, because God is a sending God, okay? He has sent them out of Egypt, out of slavery. He has put them into the wilderness, and now they're getting ready to go into Canaan. He's ascending God. He says, I've been waiting for you to get to this point. Now you're going to get to go. Just go check the land out, and then we're going to start. We've got a plan, God says. Well, verse 27, they came back and they told him, they said, We went into the land where you sent us. And truly flows with milk and honey. In other words, it's got everything. It's got pizza, empanadas, everything. You can imagine what you like. It's there. But nevertheless, oops, might be saying but, the people who dwell in the land are strong and the cities are fortified and very large. And moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. That's guys that are just 10 feet, 12 feet tall. I'm not sure the exact statistics on that. I'm just telling you, in comparison, the Amalekites also dwell in that land, and the Hittites and the Jebusites, those are fierce warriors. The Canaanites, they dwell by the sea and along the banks. You can't get over it, you can't get around How How are we going to do this? Caleb, one of the guys that was a spy... He sees what's going on. He's hearing these other guys talk about how bad it is, how terrifying it is. And Caleb quieted the speech. Wait, wait, wait. Don't hold it. Quieted the people before Moses and he said, let's go at once. And we will be able to overcome it. God is a sending God. He's put us here. We can do this. 31 says, But the men who'd gone up with him said, We're not able to go up, 
We're not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than... Now, if you write in your Bibles, it's not wrong to or right to, but I make notes in mine. You could circle the letter, the word we, because they lost their focus. God was ascending God, but all of a sudden they got wrapped up in what we can do, not what God's going to do with us. They've left God out of the picture. We can't do this. No, they couldn't. That's why the people were in that land, and that's how come they had cities that were fortified, and nobody could overcome them. We can't do this. But they forgot about God being descended God. And that God put them out there and said, this is what you're going to do. This is what you can do. And they got all focused in their size. So when you're looking at this, I want you to see that God wants His people to move forward. When you're thinking about this, this is God's plan, but Israel didn't see it. And they messed up. God will always be ascending God. Now, look back at what's going on here and think about what's happening because they lacked a trust in God. They stopped their focus on Him and they put themselves up front. And they forgot all about God doing this whole thing. But wait a minute, aren't aren't these... Yes, these are the same ones that were coming out of Egypt 40 years before, 20 years before. They saw all of the plagues that God did, 10 of them. By the way, those 10 plagues, sometime I'll come back and we'll talk about how that relates to 10 of the major gods that the Egyptians had because every one of those plagues overcame one of their gods. Amazing, interesting. They watched the whole thing happening. And then they marched out of Egypt, not only escaped by night, they didn't, they marched out boldly during the day, but the people were handing over the silver and the gold, saying, take it, please, get out of here. Just like you'd say to somebody that's been victorious and overcame you by a power of an army, please, just take whatever you want and just don't, don't bother us anymore. That's how they left. But they forgot about all that and what God had done. And so now they are in this situation. And they are confused about what to do. They've lost their trust. In Joshua, a little further along now in the history of God's people, as they've gone through wandering in the desert and doing all these other things, they get to where they're to cross over the Jordan and actually get to go where they wouldn't go to start with. Now they've got a new crew that are ready to trust God, and yet God's still wanting them to realize, you don't need to forget, you've got to trust me. So as they're getting ready to cross over the Jordan, it's interesting what happens. This is God's choosing and all that's going on. Chapter 3 of Joshua. So it was that when the people set out their camp to cross over the Jordan, that pretty big river, with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, and those who bore the Ark came to the Jordan, 
I want you to visualize, there's got to be over a million people by then. Some people estimate maybe six million people that have grown through population explosion. And in front of this whole parade of people are the high priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant on their shoulders, just like God said. And they're marching. And the whole crowd's behind them, and the river's right in front of them. And they're marching. And the river's right in front of them. And they're marching. And now they're standing on the edge. And as they walk up to that, as their feet, the priest bore the Ark of the Covenant, dipped into the edge of the water, for the Jordan overflowed its banks during that time, the waters which came down from upstream stood still and rose up in a heap far away, all the way to the city of Adam, that is, beside Zatan. So the waters went down from the Sea of Araba to the Salt Sea and failed, and they were all cut off, the waters. And the people crossed over the Jericho. This whole crowd is watching, and they're all just marching toward the river, and they're going, okay, we're getting close. Okay, the, the priests are staying right at the edge. And they put their feet in the edge of the water and it stopped. How far do you trust God? You're walking along and you're thinking, okay, we're getting closer to danger. Are we going to really do this? I don't know. Get your feet wet. God wants you to get your feet wet. He wants to know that you're really going to cross all the way. He'll stop the water. Get your feet wet. Just like Abraham, when God called him back in the book of Genesis. And he went out going, not knowing where he was going to go, but he said, okay, and he just packed up and he left. Goes to a far out place. And mind you, his wife had to go with him. She didn't like that. Probably, I pack up for what? Where are we going? Better place? I don't know. He didn't know where he was going. God's promising us a big nation. Well, we don't have a child yet. How are we going to do that? Well, I don't know. And then when he finally gets that one child, look in the book of Genesis there, I believe it's chapter 18 or 22. I'm getting two turned around here. God says to Abraham, I I want you to go up on this mountain. I want you to sacrifice your son. Okay. And he goes. He takes his son and he goes up on this mountain. And if you've read this story before, as he's going up, going up mountains, by the way, in that area, not as easy as you think. These are mountains. It takes a lot of work to get up one of those things. And here he's headed up there. He's got the wood. He's got the fire. And his son even says, hey, where's the lamb? Dad says, God will provide. And they get up there. God's looking, watching. And Abram's thinking, okay. Are you going to get your feet wet? You bet. Ties up his son, puts him on the altar, reaches up with a knife, and then God stops him. Okay, Abram, now I know. God wants us to trust him. He wants us to be willing to get our feet wet or to put ourselves in a place where we just don't know what's going to happen next. But it's okay. You'll move forward and you'll be blessed when you walk with God. He's a moving God. Those people back in numbers that we're reading about said, we are not able. God's not asking us to do it by ourselves. 
We can do this. Now you do it with God's plan. Again, the book of Joshua, if you look back to chapter 1, this, this has got to be a tough situation. Anybody that's ever moved in a business world or in a preaching world or anywhere else, when you step into a new place and you've taken on a work behind somebody that has just died or that's gone on and had such an impressive uh, repertoire of lifestyle. He's done such a good job. And you're filling his shoes. Not an easy thing. And so in chapter 1 of Joshua, God's talking to Joshua. He says, well, Moses, our servant, has just died. And you're going to take his place. And Joshua's got to be going, I've been with him, but I've never been in front of him. No. I'm sure that's what he's thinking, but he doesn't say those things. God says, every place, verse 3, that your sole of your feet will tread as I've given you, and I've said to Moses, so I will give you. Verse 4, no matter, verse 5, no man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. God doesn't ask it, but it's like, do you trust me? Are you going to walk with me? I'm ascending God. You start forward and you keep going and every place your foot goes, it's going to belong to you. Do you trust me? Now we move into a new year. And I have no earthly idea what I'm going to face even tomorrow. There are going to be blessings, I'm sure. And there are going to be some trials I don't want to face. And I struggle, sincerely, with some of those trials. Just because I'm human. And I want my faith to be strong, but it's not always. And I've got to look back at what I'm saying right here, and I've got to remember, you remember when you said that back then? Well then, bite your lip and move on. Get your feet wet and go. Okay. Verse 7, only be strong and very courageous. Get your attitude right. That you may be uh, able to observe to do according to all the law which Moses, your servant, has spoken to you or commanded you. Don't turn to the left or to the right. Don't freak out over what's going on over here. Don't get dissuaded over here and want to go that direction. You go where God's sending you because God is ascending God. He's got a place for us to go and things He wants us to do. Okay. It's January 7th. And many of you know, before you blink an eye, it's going to be December 31. You're going to wonder, what on earth happened? It just goes that fast. Now, young kids, it takes forever to get to Christmas, it seems like, when I was a kid. I know. But he wants us moving. Doing whatever he sets for you personally to do. And knowing all the way through that God is a sending God. He wants everyone on board too. Look at the book of Nehemiah, Old Testament book also. Historically speaking now, we've we've moved way forward in time when we come down to Nehemiah. 
God's people have conquered that land. They've done what they're supposed to have done. They've had some good times and some bad times. And, and so eventually they messed up so much that God allowed a pagan nation to come in and take over the Israelites and to take them off into captivity. And they're there for a while. And finally, after repenting, God says, okay, I'm going to let you go back. And so they come back and they're looking at the Jerusalem area that they had built. And they're very sad about it. Wall needs to be built. And Nehemiah ends up being the guy that's connected to leading this process. And so... As God is a moving God, they're back there in Jerusalem and they're starting to build this wall again. Chapter 3 of Nehemiah. Strange name, Eliashib, as he's called, the high priest, rose up with his brethren, the priests, and they build what's called the sheep gate. That's not necessarily just for sheep, but that's what they called the gate. They consecrated it. And they hung its doors. They built it as far as the Tower of the Hundred and consecrated it. And then as far as the Tower of Hananel. Right now, God's a building God. But He's moving forward. He's starting over with His people and He wants them to realize there's a place to be and there are things to do. And then next to Eliashib, the men of Jericho built. And next to him, Sukkur and the son of Zamri. And as you're reading through this chapter, all of a sudden you're going to see that there's a guy in his section and he's doing his part. And next to him is another guy and with his family and they're doing their part. And next to him is another guy. And all of a sudden you're looking at this whole thing and it looks, almost looks like a genealogy of names you have a hard time pronouncing. And it's God's people standing shoulder to shoulder saying, I'm with you. I'm with the team. I'm with the army. I'm standing here. And God wants His people to stand together. To move forward together. Not everybody does. That's a problem sometimes. And... So verse 5, as we're reading through some of these people, and by the way, there are, there are perfumers and there's gold traders and all kinds of people. Every one of them out there, no matter what their occupation is, they're doing something. Reminds me of a guy. Gardner was his name in Oak Ridge. He couldn't tell a Phillips screwdriver from a flathead. Okay. But he'd get with these retired men, and four or five of them were going around the church building working on a project, and uh, one of them said, hand me the screwdriver. He said, well, which one? He'd just hold them out there, you know. I'll take that one. Thank you. And then he'd get behind him and say, I think you're doing it. You, I think I see you got it. Now, he was right there with him. He didn't know what he was doing. But he was an encourager. And he was involved in it. Well, verse 5 says, Next to them, the Toakites made repairs, but their nobles didn't put their shoulders to the work. I don't want my name in here. Not like that. I don't want God to say, but David didn't do anything. He was too good. He was too tired. He was too weary. He didn't trust. He didn't think it was worth it. God wants His people to do things together. He wants us to work together. And I see what's going on here. You're praying for one another. You're reaching out. You're helping people that are dissuaded, that are lonely, that are bereaved. They're sick. You just keep moving together. God's a moving people. God is moving people. And He wants us to move together. Ephesians chapter 4. Paul pens a little phrase that fits in here so well. He talks about the church. He says, From whom the whole body, 
that's the church, the body, is joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to its effective working, by which every part does its share. And there's growth. Even if you're the guy that stands behind and says, I think you've got it. You're going to make it. You stand together. You recently lost a loved one here. I understand that she was here for years, coming to church every Sunday. Nobody ever knew how sick she was, but she'd always say, I'm here. I'm here. Just be here. Move forward. And in your life, live devoted. Trust God to get your feet wet. Even in places where it's hard. He will bless you. Psalm 19. As we were looking at to start with. All those different things about the Word of God. His statutes of right. Rejoice in the Lord. It enlightens our eyes. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. And hereafter especially. God has a place for us. Jesus died on the cross to get us there. Let your hearts not be troubled, Jesus said in John 14, when He was telling His disciples He's leaving. In my Father's house are many mansions, and if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. He's done that. He died on the cross for you and me. God's ascending God. Sent His Son. And He called His apostles. And they were to be sent. And part of their decree was that He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. You want to be a disciple? You want to be a Christian? That's what you do. God starts you out. Cleansed from your sins. New life. I know it don't make sense. God's love, it just forgives you. He just says, give it a go. Get your feet wet. Trust me. But have you been baptized? Are you following Jesus? Look at your life. Right now, we've got January 1 on our calendar. I don't know if we'll reach February. But I'm going to be ready in January to meet my Lord. Are you ready? We're going to sing a song. As we wrap this lesson up, if you'd like to become a Christian this morning, be baptized. If you need to come back, trust God. You may not know how you're going to do it all. Just trust Him. He'll make it right. Come if you want while we sing this song.